Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together here virtually today. Lord, I pray for those that might be watching this that are struggling today with a sense of isolation, maybe a sense of discouragement because of our inability to be around others the way we would like to be. Father, I pray that you would pour out a spirit of encouragement upon them today. Father, I pray for those in our church family that are dealing with the virus or maybe a family member is dealing with the virus. Lord, I pray for your healing power to rest on them. Lord, for those that are battling cancer of various kinds, maybe other diseases, Lord, I pray that you would touch them today through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for the body of Christ. I pray for your church. Lord, the church throughout the Upper Peninsula, throughout our nation. And Father, we realize that there are many different ways that we have chosen to respond to this pandemic. But I pray that there would be unity in the body of Christ on the, the big scale, but also on the smaller local scale. Father, I pray for a sense of unity in our hearts from Christian brother to Christian brother. And Lord, I pray that rather than divide us, Lord, we would respond in a spirit of unity, that our hearts would be one. Father, we thank you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to be here with you today. My name is Kevin Taylor. I'm the lead pastor here at Silver Creek Church. Maybe this is the first time that you've ever joined us for Church Online. We want to say welcome. It's great to have you today. We, we want you to feel comfortable. Feel free to comment, to be a part of the discussion as the message ensues. But today is another installment of our series in December called Tis the Season. I'm looking forward to sharing this message with you. You may not have realized it because we don't have these stores here in our area, but about 10 years ago, uh, stores known as Gap and Old Navy both decided, because they're, they're under the same parent corporation, that they would not include anything regarding Christmas in their advertising campaigns as they reached the end of the year. It only took about three or four years, but the company decided that they would have to change that, and they began to once again include the words, Merry Christmas. In fact, they decided to include that in their front display in all of their stores. You know, there's been a debate that's been raging in this country for years. The debate is whether or not we should say Merry Christmas or do we say Happy Holidays. Some believe that Happy Holidays is more inclusive, while others believe that not saying Merry Christmas is excluding Christ from Christmas. This debate has gotten into literally the presidential election conversation of 2016. Well, today I want to ask you this question, and the question is this. 
Tis the season for what? Now, I, I don't know exactly what you're thinking, but is this the season for the holidays? Is it the season for winter festivals or family gatherings? Is it happy holidays? Is it season's greetings? Is it Merry Xmas? I ran across one really humorous, uh, politically correct greeting that I'll pass along to you today, and it's happy non-denominational, transcultural winter solstice acknowledgement. I hope that you feel edified today. But without, I want to say this and, and be very clear that, that, and this may be something that is seen as socially unacceptable, but I want to say it, and that is this, that Jesus and Jesus alone is the reason for tis the season. In fact, without Jesus, there is no celebration of Christmas. And today, what I would like to do is to have us look at another Christmas carol and to see what we can learn from that carol. And the one that I'd like to look at today is very purposeful in relationship to the title of my message, and that is I'd like to look at the carol that was deemed socially unacceptable. The year was 1847, and in very typical fashion, three weeks before Christmas Eve, a French parish priest reached out to a local poet and asked him if he would write a poem that could be used in the Christmas Eve service. After writing the poem, the poet reached out to his friend, who was a composer, and asked him if he could compose music that the poem could be used with. And literally, in three weeks' time, that song was then sung on Christmas Eve. Initially, everyone who heard the song absolutely fell in love with it in the church in France. But soon... That song was actually denounced and declared to be unfit for worship because church leaders learned something about the people that wrote that song. They learned that the author was a socialist and that the composer was a Jew. They said it was simply unacceptable for celebrating Christmas. Do you have any idea about what carol this is, this, this social scourge of France, it would have to be, I would think, really bad to be banned by the church. But the lyrics, and I won't read all of them, but just to give you an idea, the lyrics refer to stars shining brightly. That on the, it was the night of the dear Savior's birth. And I want to take a look at this song, O Holy Night. And I'd like to break down some of these lyrics and what these mean to you and I today. Let's look at the first phrase and look at what's behind these lyrics. The phrase is this, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Let's look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. It says there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, this had to be a night that was different 
compared to any other night in order for the author to particularly write about it, referring to that night in Luke chapter 2 in verse 8. There's got to be something different about that night. Now, I'm going to confess to you that I am morning, more of a morning person than I am a night person. Maybe you're a night owl. I just happen to be a morning person. I tend to go to bed early. I'm not outside a lot after dark. But in the morning, it's a totally different story for me. And for me, there is simply a joy in being outside before sunrise and seeing the stars on a very uh, clear night. It's a treat to see that the cloudless, starlit sky before dawn, to see uh, literally the, the, the Milky Way, to, to see uh, other, other constellations that, that can be picked out, and it's really something that I enjoy. But, but let's be honest, stars shining brightly isn't really that unusual. So there's got to be something else that was happening on that particular night mentioned in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8 because the author refers to it as holy. And that word holy means to simply be dedicated or consecrated to God. We learn in Luke chapter 2 that on this particular night, there was a child that was born. Now, at that time, in the world, there was approximately a population of 300 million people on earth. So really, birth was not really something that was uncommon. Now, maybe in that particular uh, village of, of Bethlehem, maybe there, there were not a lot of births due to the size of the population, but birth in and of itself was not something that was unusual. In fact, the name of the child that we learn in Scripture was not even um, very uncommon. In fact, we find that it's very common in, in first century Galilee, we learn that archaeologists actually have located the tombs of 71 other people in that exact era who would have been alive at that same time with the exact same name. So something else must have been different about that night. And we learn in Luke chapter 2 that there was an angel, that the glory of the Lord shone around them. That there were shepherds that were literally terrified. There was good news that was announced that would be not just to the Jewish people, but to all people. The angels declared that on that night, a Savior was to be born who would be called Christ the Lord. So unlike every other person named Jesus, unlike every other baby that was born, other, unlike every other, <clears throat> excuse me, starry night, there was something different. And the difference was this, that this child was called Emmanuel, God with us. As we look at the season that we're coming up to, the season of Christmas, it is a season Yes, where we celebrate with families. Yes, where we exchange gifts. But it is a season to celebrate primarily one thing above all else. And that is the birth of a Savior. 
Let's look at the next phrase that I'd like to look at. The song says this, Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Since the Garden of Eden, man had been living under a curse. You see, in the garden, God told Adam, Adam, you can eat of anything in the garden. Any tree that you want to eat the fruit of, go ahead except for one tree, and that tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We read about it in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. It says this, To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife, and ate fruit from the tree, about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat plants of the, fe- the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it You were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Friends, that was a very ominous declaration by God. You see, Adam and Eve were created to live eternally with God, and due to their sin, they have now been separated from God. And since that time, our sin has been separating us from God. It was the appearance of the Messiah that night that brought about the redemption of mankind. You see, the Bible says for for those who are in Christ, they are a new creation, that the old is gone and that the new has come. You see, without Jesus, the soul of mankind cannot experience the value of new life. The Messiah came, the Messiah was sent, the Messiah was given in order to ransom, be a ransom for many. You see, the idea of ransom communicates value. You would never pay a ransom for something that wasn't important, that wasn't valuable. And God emptied heaven of the best that he had to pay the ransom for you and for me. I think it's interesting that God created mankind and yet now God was paying a ransom to purchase him back. Look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 14 where the apostle Paul says this, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. You see, it's through the gift of Jesus Christ that our souls have been declared by God to be valuable. We've been bought with a price bought back again so that we might ultimately belong to God. This season is a season that you and I might be reminded that God has brought worth 
to us. Very, very honestly, there may be those of you that are listening to me right now, and if you were honest, you would have to say, I don't feel very valuable. I want you to know that God paid a price through his son Jesus Christ to buy you back to himself. And that ultimate price, he has declared and has stated how valuable you are to him. And so if you are fighting those feelings of not being valuable today, I want you to know that that is the voice of the enemy speaking to you. And I want you to know that God has said, you are valuable to me. Let's look at that third phrase. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. What a line. What a couple of lines that we, we sing. And, and often we're guilty of singing them over and over and not really thinking about them. But I want you to think about it with me for a moment. Because you see, the world at that time was existing under the curse, and it was a, a, a weary, a wearying load, a, a very heavy load that had been placed upon the world. So what is a thrill of hope in that condition? Because the Bible talks about the law being very difficult. And the, the, the Hebrew people had been living under the law. And the law was very heavy. It was a burden to them. So what was this thrill of hope that the author of this song was speaking about? The word thrill is one of its definitions is an emotion or a sensation. Literally, it's a nervous tremor. And if I had to, to, to put my own word to it, I would say that, that what it really refers to, the thrill of hope, is like a shiver. It's like a sensation that comes over you but for a moment. And that night there was a momentary sensation, a thrill that ran up and down the spine of Mary and Joseph, of the shepherds, of all who heard about the story. Because the one who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah had finally arrived. But let me, let me go a little further and say that, that he was not born a powerful king. He was not born a mighty general, but he was born as a baby. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27, the apostle Paul says this, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. On that day, hope was only a momentary thrill because the Messiah was not born, crucified, and resurrected on the same day. 
Look at that next part of the, of the song. Yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. What, what, what is he talking about? Yonder, meaning still yet a ways off. This, this new morning that's breaking. You see the, the new morning that's, that's dawning. It's dawning on the history of mankind. Not only on the Jews, but also on the Gentiles is this new era of the covenant of God's grace for you and I. And that covenant of grace is going to replace the covenant, the burdensome covenant of the law which man had been living under. Billy Graham said this, For the believer, there is hope beyond the grave. Because Jesus Christ has opened the door to heaven for us by his death and resurrection. You see that that glorious morning that was still a, a still a little ways away. It was Easter Sunday that was still yet to come because Jesus death and his resurrection was the answer and is the answer to our sin and our error pining. But that answer is more than just a momentary thrill. It's a lasting hope for all eternity. This is a season where we can realize that we have hope, eternal hope, lasting hope. Man, this season of COVID is is one that that has just drug on and on and on. I was in a meeting with other pastors this morning and they were just saying, oh, I, I, just, I just hope that things get back to normal. Maybe it'll be in January. Maybe it'll be in February. But I hope. It just, it just drags on and on. And it just seems to suck the hope out of people. But the hope of Jesus Christ is not a momentary thrill. It is not a momentary sensation. But it is literally an everlasting hope that you can build your your life on. You might be feeling like you have no hope today. I want you to understand that Jesus and his hope are available for you today. And his hope is not based on our circumstance. His hope is based on the eternal gift of life that God has for you and I through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's look at phrase number four. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Can you imagine how afraid the angels must have been? I can only imagine that they fell on their faces, that they curled up in a ball, that they tried to hide behind anything they possibly could. They were scared to death because the sky, the Bible says, was filled with a company of angels. And those angels were declaring glory to God in the highest. You see, the angel and the the company of, of heavenly hosts, they were worshiping God and they were praising God. They were giving glory to God. And when it was all said and done and they left and went back into heaven, the Bible says that these shepherds, they decided, you know what, we're gonna head into Bethlehem. 
Let's see if what these angels have told us is actually true. So they went into the city of Bethlehem and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Probably not many babies lying in a manger that night. Look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now that the shepherds had seen it for themselves, they believed, and now they were worshiping themselves because they believed what the angels told them was indeed true. And here's the great news that you and I, we each have that same opportunity today. Having heard the story of Jesus, having heard of the love of God, having heard of the sacrifice that Jesus has made for you and I, we can believe and we can worship God. But I want you to know the Bible tells us that not everyone will willingly make that choice. Look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. He said that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, we have this wonderful choice that God has given us. We have free will. We can choose. We can decide. Will we worship Jesus? Will we bow to his authority? Will we lift up him up? Will we praise him? Will we glorify him? Will we embrace him? Or will we live our lives in denial of that truth and then one day stand before God and at that time every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God? The choice is up to you. Not everyone will choose to do that. We can choose to worship him now or submit to him later. Friends, I realize that to worship Jesus fully, to fully embrace him as our Savior, to worship him the way the shepherds did is not socially acceptable in our culture today. But friends, this is a season. This is a season where we have a choice before us, where we can choose to worship Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior of the world, or we can choose to reject him. As I close, I want to look at one final phrase. It says, truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. I want to remind you that this carol was banned by the French church. And it was banned specifically for political and religious reasons because the author was found out to be from a political party that they did not agree with, that the composer was of a religious uh, affiliation that they did not agree with. Friends, the Bible says that there is no law 
against love. The church back in 1847 did not exemplify the love of God in that decision. The Bible says, if we do not love, we do not know God because God is love. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he said, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. It was Christmas Eve, 1871. France and Germany were at war. That night, Christmas Eve night, a French soldier laid down his weapon and he stepped out of his trench, out of his foxhole, out into the field of battle with no protection whatsoever and he began to sing, Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. And he sang through that entire Christmas carol. And then he turned and he went back into his trench. Almost immediately, a German soldier laid down his weapon and came out onto the battlefield. And he began to sing in his native language a Christmas carol. Those actions led to a, a cease in their fighting that lasted from Christmas Eve for a full 24 hours. You see, the good news of Jesus Christ that was declared through that song brought about a miracle of peace. And the good news for you and I is that that same good news brings peace into our battlefields right now. As we get ready to, to head to the Christmas season, you might be really concerned because your family is a battlefield. Your life is a battlefield. Your job is a battlefield. The church banned this song because of the difference in political persuasion, the difference in religious affiliation. Friends, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to show love. We need to love others, even if they have a different political persuasion or a different religious affiliation than us. Maybe their church is, is handling COVID totally different than our church is. Maybe you don't agree with how we've handled it. Scripture says that we're identified as believers by the love that we have for one another. And I want you to know that today, over 2,000 years later, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is still socially unacceptable. If you live a life that is surrendered to God, if you live a life in relationship with Jesus Christ, if you live according to his word, friends, that is socially 
unacceptable. And it's unacceptable to the world for you to tell them that there's any other way than the way they want to do things. Friends, this song was a radical song in its day. So dangerous that it had to be banned. And I want you to know today that the gospel, the good news of the story of Jesus, that he was born as the Messiah, that he lived a sinless life, that he died a substitutionary death on the cross, a death for your sin and my sin, and that on the third day he was raised again by God to life. That is a dangerous message. And it is socially unacceptable. But it is the good news of Jesus Christ. And that good news is for you, and it is for me, and it is for our world. Would you bow your heads with me? Our precious Heavenly Father, I thank you today. I thank you that this is the season where we can declare the good news that a Savior has been born to us who is Christ the Lord. Father, I pray for the one that's listening to me. They don't feel very valuable. They're struggling today. Father, they... They're, they're just Life is, is just that battlefield that I spoke of. Father, I pray that you, would, that you would right now sing over them. Sing your, your words. Sing your, your gospel over them. Declare to them that you are valuable. I have given you that value. Father, I pray that right now, wherever they may be, whether it's it's, it's out here in Harvey this morning or, or in Marquette or, or it's in Nagani or Ishpeming or Chatham or Munising. Lord, wherever they may be, whether they're, they're in, in downstate Michigan or in Wisconsin or, or any other state or any other place, Father, I pray that right now, Lord, if they are struggling with this idea of, of not being valuable, if they're struggling with the battlefield of their life, that they would take that life and they would come and they would bring it to you. Not, not, not to a manger of a baby, but to the foot of the cross. And they would simply take their life and lay it down and say, God, I'm bringing it to you. I need your peace. I need the value that you have declared over me. I, I need that. I need, I need peace in my battlefield today. Father, I pray that they would simply pray a simple prayer of God. Make me valuable. Make me valuable. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he's your Messiah. And today I make him my Savior and my Lord. Father, I pray that as they pray that prayer, the peace of God would begin to flood their hearts and minds. And I pray for a miracle of peace to come into the battlefield of their life today. <laughs> 
In Jesus' name we pray.